Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. Our guest today is Andrew Arbo. Andrew is an autistic self-advocate and the founder of Driving with Autism, an educational program that helps autistic individuals and their families navigate the way towards becoming a driver. Andrew is also the Director of Community Outreach of Planning Across the Spectrum. You might remember episode 59 with their founder, Andrew Comoro. In today's conversation, we discuss Andrew learning about his diagnosis, Andrew's autistic strengths and how autism affects his everyday life, why he decided to start his company, Driving with Autism, common barriers autistic people face when it comes to driving, how to limit sensory overload while driving, tips for autistic drivers, including what to do if you get pulled over, and advice for parents whose autistic adolescents are getting ready to drive. In this episode, discover what's possible when you're the one behind the wheel. To learn more about Andrew, please visit our show notes at autismknowsnoborders.com. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Autism Podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project, and join our online community at community.globalautismproject.org. And now I present you, Andrew Arbo. Hi, Andrew. Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me here. Could you briefly introduce yourself? Sure. My name's Andrew Arbo, and I'm the founder of Driving with Autism. And I'm also the director of community outreach for Parent Cross the Spectrum in Connecticut. Both are Connecticut companies, with one I'm the founder of. Great. Yeah. Some of our listeners might remember the episode with Andrew Comoro from Planning Across the Spectrum. So I'll be sure to put a link to that episode in our show notes. All right, Andrew, let's start with your autism. When did you learn about your diagnosis? Good question. I was, I think it was around five or six. During that time, I probably didn't know better. I think like during that time, my mindset was Nintendo games. <laughs> like I grew up in the uh, Nintendo 64 days of console-wise. I grew up with Pokemon. It was late 90s, so Pokemon was pretty much, the craze was very much there. So I had a lot of fun of that, and I didn't really think about autism at all. Okay. I drove my school, <laughs> drove my school mostly nuts. I always had extensive amount of energy, especially when I was, especially when I was a lot younger and I didn't know better. Hmm. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure I was around five or six. So it wasn't like a very early diagnosis. And it was in the 90s where autism was not well known. People were kind of establishing themselves. New research didn't have those organizations like Speaks and didn't have like those type of organizations and SN as well. So things were still being worked on. I see. What was it like for you growing up, like as a teenager and as a kid? Um, on the most part, 
good for I still question how in the world I got myself into here because it feels like it's almost a different world where I'm at right now. And I'm like the founder of a business and got myself incredibly motivated to do what I do for for kind of like my passion. I'm like I've like transportation and just kind of doing some sort of good thing on autism fields is a huge passion in mine. Uh, more so is transportation, uh, driving. How does autism affect your everyday life now? Good question. I I think it just shows up shows up on never wherever it can. So it's it's hard to describe it to be honest, and especially well being sit down and actually being asked that it's a lot more because to be honest, I don't really think about the effects. I mean, it's still there, obviously. As well, no one can possibly get rid of autism as of right now. So, but for me, I've always been very work oriented. Um, best describe me as I'm very much a, a workaholic. While I do try to schedule some time off a little bit, a little bit on times and give myself some wig room, but I've always been pushing myself to kind of like the next big thing. So, so like anything and that's really minor, I kind of toss it aside. But it does show up at the monotone voice. Like probably right now as we're chatting, you're probably picking up on a couple things. Especially if it's like an autism professional here that's like pretty much knows all the signs, if that makes sense. But mm-hmm. interesting question. What are your strengths related to autism? For that, I guess it's kind of weird because at the same time, some of those dreams could also be just part of the human condition as well. And I guess sometimes it might be hard to describe if it's an autism thing or just a human being thing, if that makes sense mm-hmm. for me. And it's probably, I don't know, it's a mix of autism and just my own drive, but just determination. Like I'm kind of very uh, driven. Like I tend to make things a lot harder for me. Like the driving side, I knew next to no one. There was, there's not like a temple granin of driving. And states can go all over the place with resources. So I was pretty much on my own and trying to navigate that. And I probably drove myself nuts and probably drove my dad crazy as well. <laughs> I just couldn't say no. And well, I was graduating community college several years ago and I had to get a license. So my degree actually means something or actually, well, meant something. And I don't, I don't have to mention any statistics. Can I? Because I think both of us know how weird they can be. What do you mean? The, you know, the adult statistics. Kind of like the mixed results of people kind of aging out and like going to the real world and whatnot. Those type of ones. I see. You know, and like employment. I don't try to bring it up, but it's kind of like you, we already know what it is. <laughs> okay, right. The high rates of unemployment for autistic adults. Yep, yep, yep. Those. Okay. Well, let's talk about your platform. So you said you're the founder of Driving with Autism. What made you decide to start your business? A lot of things. It's kind of been the culmination of what I've been doing over the last couple of years. As I, I was kind of brief, briefly going over kind of like the first reasons why I wanted to drive, which is kind of like I needed something on the employment side. I needed something. So I'd be able to kind of do my thing and start kind of earning a living. And mostly, I just want to get make a resource for people because states can be incredibly mixed. Some states can be surprising. Um, Florida, everyone likes to kind of, you know, crap on Florida for not having everything. But ironically, it actually has quite a bit of schools over there. 
not to mention, it also has a surprising amount of autism-specific organizations. Like, there's this one place I've heard that deals with the transition age, and they have some seriously cool social outings. I chatted with them several weeks ago. They went to indoor uh, skydiving. Oh, cool. Being used to my stay in Connecticut, no one does that. No one does that. I've never seen a social group that does that. So, like, Florida has some surprising perks, but it's different everywhere else. Yeah. But my main thing, I wanted to get a resource out there that exists to be like, hey, there's someone that's actually talking about autism and driving. I mean, not everyone may drive or be a lot of different circumstances for a lot of people, but that, an auction got to exist. At least people can look at it and then decide for themselves if they want to drive or not. So I actually kind of created, like after I attained a license eight years ago, I kind of made a presentation. I was able to present it through playing across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. It took a little while when I was first hired. It took a while for me to actually get out there. Like I really wanted to present because, well, my employer was doing presentations all around the state of Connecticut back like three years ago. Almost crazy. I've been three years of hired over there. <laughs> yeah. But I was able to discuss something down, had talked to like 30 plus people. I had like three organizations trying to hound me up just because, well, no one else is talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> and who who wouldn't actually? And I was able to do a partnership with a driving school. I left a year ago. And I kind of, and it went to the, it was kind of like the main reason I kind of give birth to driving with autism. Like I want to do something that's more nationwide online program, a webinar series that can be done anywhere that doesn't go into a lot of state walls. So it's not restricted by that because each day is completely different. Like, I think in New York's case, like, they forced people to get the permit and then driver's education, mm. which I think is really backwards. Uh, Connecticut, it's like, you could do driver's ed and then use that to study for the permit test. So I kind of think New York's a little backwards that, if you ask me. Okay. Because everyone's completely different. But Yeah. But the main idea is I wanted to do something a lot bigger and not confined to one thing. So I kind of branched out and after months of just prepping and I launched it in December of last year. And by since yesterday, I actually completed the first half of the of the series. Congratulations. And I'll be going through the next four weeks, kind of go, going at the second half. Yeah, that's great. So pretty much just a long journey and pretty sure I'll be discovering brand new things this year. Mm-hmm. So let's back up a little bit and talk about your experience of getting a driver's license because you started to touch on that. You said that was in when you were in college, right? Yeah, I went to a community college. Uh, this was around 2017, 2018. Like I was around 24, uh, 25. Okay. So what was that experience like for you? My own personal experience was there was not a lot of resources and Connecticut is all over the place with transportation auctions. I used to use a bus everywhere, and because I'm in central Connecticut, it's very easy. But other parts of Connecticut, well, <laughs> forget it. Like, it's, like, all the towns are completely different. Mm-hmm. That made it a bit difficult. And also, I also bought it upon myself that it was kind of difficult because my own schedule. Like, I was working part-time. I was also doing community college. That made my schedule pretty tight and try to squeeze in, in some practice time. And other barriers, because there was not a lot of information on driving and well, autism and driving, my dad wasn't really sure how to handle it. He did everything he can, and it got better over time. 
but he was super anxious and vifery. So due to the fact that there was not a lot of like public information of of how it looks, because it could look very different for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like there's probably not going to be another person that will go through a similar journey like I did. Right. Just to have that as an example. Yeah, because each person is different and has different needs. Yeah, so I pretty much drove myself just how to use any sort of excuse as possible, especially if work-wise, it will make my life easy. And then if there's like a certain uh, social gathering. Just a quick example, and no, you do, no one does not have to do this. I used a Northeastern a rainstorm to get to a resource fair the weekend before I actually went for my license test, the wall test itself. Oh. And no, you don't have, no one has to go that, but I really wanted the experience. I really just wanted more time, wanted more time to kind of perfect certain techniques. My back end is pretty horrible, hmm. at least into a spot, but outside of that, everything's good. Okay. So why are you particularly interested in helping autistic people learn to drive? Pretty much so someone to have a much better time than I did. <laughs> better time and also, again, when options exist, because we talked about the statistics, we talked about, I've talked to that, and I'm a very kind of self-driven person. I kind of want to really promote like the proactive solutions based on like values, like a like a huge believer on being proactive. Mm. Right. And once one person has a driver's license, it opens up so many more doors for them, not just employment, but kind of independence and transitioning into adulthood. What are some common barriers that autistic people face when it comes to driving? Based from my, I have my own personal experience and I also have I've also spoken with uh, new drivers around. I did a bunch of consultations during the time I was developing the company. And because I love chatting with people, I love kind of hearing from a lot of those different experiences. I don't think I have to mention it here that autism looks different than everyone else. So I'm always kind of interested to hear that. And I'm not a fan of trying to speak over other people. Mm. Definitely not fair. And they got their own experience that is respected, that should be respected and everything. For the barriers, the ones that I personally experienced, I mentioned a couple of resources, the kind of the resource inconsistent resources, and a lot of the, the inner side. Like I had a lot of inner doubts, and then my dad, because there was no roadmap of how it looks like, was also was kind of pretty difficult. And it takes time over time. Now it's kind of like a sidekick, like a sidekick. Like if he knows of any weird weather, like ice, rain, or like snow. He will probably text me. He'll probably talk about it when I get home. He'd be like, watch yourself. There's like rain. There's like water coming up. So Mm -hmm. he's a lot more calm about the idea of driving. That's great. And the first time he told me that he was a lot more relaxed, validation after the whole practice and everything. Mm -hmm. And then also location, because some locations just don't have any of those services. And if there's if you're in an area that's not a lot of bus service and you're forced to drive, like it doesn't give you a lot to work with. I see. And the coast was also other barriers. Again, each person's different and it could be could be like could be like a characteristic, like the you know, procedures that might add to potential issues, or it could be like I talked to someone that has like a I think like a spiral like awareness. I think it's like a distance awareness of what the distance is near you. And then with with driving, when with driving, sometimes that could be a little weird. Um, it's still 
sometimes when I really think about it, because I'm at the point where driving is very automatic, like you do the actions, you don't actually think about it. Yeah. Like think about how these cars go nearby me and then knowing all the other, all the traffic, all the construction. There's been a bunch of construction lately in my area. It was like, my goodness, that's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also at the same time, I'm also, I mean, mine would be automatic and I'll be also fixed a little bit of focusing on the music while I drive. So everything that goes in that uh, automatic experience. Mm-hmm. Does the music help you? Oh, yes. Yes, uh, video game music, uh, specifically. I still surprise people with that. <laughs> I'm still shocked my town hasn't given me a reputation of me being the driver that listens to all the music. <laughs> um, I can listen to it in varied volumes, and it lets me do my thing. And I have control of how the music goes, so it's not like I go have it for brass all the time. There'll be times where I just I just have it off, or I just have it on the wall side. And that there's a lot of weird, weird stuff that comes up. Deer, because, well, it's that season. Or at least coming up, like in March, there'll be more deer coming up in areas. So those things to kind of be absolutely aware of. Right. Yeah. Okay. So one of your webinars that's listed on the website is about sensory processing. And we know that some autistic individuals might be hypersensitive to certain lights or smells or even touch. And this can actually be pretty dangerous if there's a sensory overload on the road. Mm -hmm. So how can autistic people limit the sensory overload while driving? Mm -hmm. Um, Very good question. And again, it's based based on the person because there's also a lot of different senses that driving does use. Like there's a sight, there's the smell. I actually read up that someone prefers electric cars because well, there's not a lot of like smell that goes into it, mm. which I kind of see. Uh, hopefully the electricity part isn't too expensive on their end. But it's really just dependent, and it also could be based on moods, like if you get enough sleep or if you ate anything or if you have the daily stuff they have. Like if I was having a weird day and if I didn't have any coffee at all, I would be pretty annoyed. <laughs> I would generally be annoyed. But yeah, so I kind of, cho- that topic was obviously kind of something I really wanted to, to touch on and make it really solutions-based of what people can do. And the most part, it's highly dependent on that. And one thing I will say is if someone, like it's having a really bad day and start getting emotional on that, it does not hurt. Like just park somewhere, a uh, gas station, somewhere safe, obviously. But just a parking lot, like I care less it's a CBS or a warm of a Walgreens. And just give yourself the time. Like if you're not gonna give yourself time, not gonna give yourself time to go over that. Um, well, the overworld aspect will be pretty well, it's gonna happen. Mm. So just kind of giving someone enough time. Like even at my work, I actually stay a bit further, not because of work, but just kind of for me, just kind of just kind of chill. Like I may watch some uh YouTube videos, let's say. Dash cam videos sounds kind of productive, I know, but I've been a little behind and also can show me a thing or two. So that's a, that's, that's kind of one thing. This kind of gets giving someone enough time to kind of with their body kind of like, okay, okay, did my work. I have some less time. Okay, let's do this. At least my take. It's kind of, of how I handle it, but again, completely different for everyone. Yeah. But I could see how going from one somewhat stressful environment to another stressful environment 
without having that transition pause in the middle could just add more stress. Mm -hmm. And the other reason I have the music is I like the music that's associated with the thing I like. So I just focus. And because I know my moods, like I know what music to play or know what specific music I could play. So I could that, and that could kind of tame it or kind of postpone that until a non-driving environment. Mm Mm-hmm. And it could be different for everyone else. Like, um, I actually know some people that use some sensory tools, some of those cautions, or some may have something in their car. It's kind of just finding the right tools. Mm -hmm. What are some strategies to manage fatigue and stress while driving? Like if there's a lot of traffic or something? (laughs) Good question. This is probably the third time. So I know it's probably getting cliched. Uh, Music. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Music. (laughs) And also coffee, also coffee. <laughs> I know that sometimes that might be counterproductive if you have had newest of coffee too many times mm-hmm. and you've already fatigued in the first place. Mm-hmm. But those two things come in mind. Okay. Or just kind of stopping somewhere and just kind of like, ah, just kind of lay in the seat, in my experience. Okay. So Andrew, you wrote a blog about tips for drivers with autism. Could you share some of those tips? Yeah, of course. Uh, of course. And then one of those things, and you can also find this all in the blogs and it's continuously updated. Um, we actually have, I wrote up something that's of what to deal with driving and snowy conditions. The season, it's very prevalent and I still never forgotten the first experience of me driving in snow. And yeah, it's pointless to go the regular speed. Just take your time, take your time, but there's no reason to rush your car. Even going slow, I could almost feel the car almost going out of control one or two times while turning. So be smart. Just don't go fast, whatever you do. Like, snow is to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. It's not a draw ride, nevertheless. But for actual tips, I was mentioning a couple of those is just giving yourself time to be ready for driving. Just giving yourself time to be ready. Like I mentioned, like after I do my work hours, I kind of stay in the office further just to kind of give myself time to let my body chill. That's absolutely something. And then we talked about the tool, the sensory tools that you could use as well if it's safe to use, because I wouldn't be like just trying to like toy with something while driving. Mm -hmm. Might not be the best. I mean, unless you could drive one-handed, I could kind of see. But still, like any of the tools must be done responsibly as much as possible. And I have a lot less trouble with what could come up during driving. And the other is if you're used to GPSs, it does not hurt to have that. And there's a good amount of mounts out there that you can attach in your car. And they can be amazing. Even ones you could take out and you can you could take them to anywhere else. So it isn't just stuck in your car. It's something that you could use over time. Yeah. Especially the air vent. There was like those mounts that go on the air vents. And those are beautiful. Like really good. And you could touch them in a way that you can still see the phone and the directions and the audio side while you still drive. So it isn't like you walk like this while trying to look for your, uh, what to go to next. Like you still look at this and it's like a grants look and you still focus on the world itself. So those type of tools. And then I mentioned highway driving and how just kind of just breaking things down to steps because there's a lot of aspects like lane changing, one of the major things. And that's actually something I used for, my, for myself to get used to highway driving, like changing lanes and knowing when, what's a good time and what's a bad time. Mm-hmm. And because every driver does it 
at the high rate all the time. I don't think it's even possible to not rain change, to be honest. I have yet to see that. <laughs> right, because you need to get on the highway and yeah. get off for one. <laughs> yeah, and there's even the ones with the left exits, and there's sometimes not always a right rain uh, exit. So got to change range at some point. <laughs> yeah. So I just kind of broke those down the steps. You just use a highway and just kind of did it again and again just to get a feel for it. But yeah, that's pretty much just a nutshell of some of the additional tips. And you can find this in the Driving with Autism website. Great. So we also know that there's a growing push for training police officers about autism. What do you include in your lessons about what to do if you're pulled over? Really good question. Um, with that one, when I was designing it, I actually almost I originally wanted to add it to the Managing Changes and Anxieties. A topic I actually did yesterday that we went over driving situations. But the PowerPoints were too long, so I kind of spread it into different parts. And policing, I made that as neutral as possible. Because it's such a sensitive topic and I wanted to approach it, I really also wanted to make it really uh, solutions-based. I didn't want it to be really one-sided. Like, I go over how people may react this way and how officers react that way. So it isn't just someone being a jerk to whoever else. Like there's an actual like common reasons. Some can be completely crazy, like anything else can happen, but there's usually a common reason for what they do. And I also kind of go over a script of a kind of like just a doable, kind of doable situation in case you once kind of pulled over. But I kind of approached it respectfully and also did not want to kind of victimize like any of the two groups. Again, make it very like sewage based of like what could parents do, what can new drivers do? Mm -hmm. So what do you suggest for people if they get pulled over? I think one of the things I wrote in that uh, presentation was to kind of get something started in your own community. Take your officer out, go for coffee and just talk about autism. Okay. And then brownie points, especially, then have then especially. Just three extra points if you can get your new driver, the new driver is the one that initiates that. Because hmm. at least there'll be someone on your side, someone on your side, and also that same cop could could be talking to others about that. So at least there's someone that knows what to do. God forbid if anything comes up in that local town. Okay. It's, it's a small step, but it's like one of those that will come big over time. Okay. I meant more about what to do in the moment if you get pulled over. That one is hard because out of my personal driving, I've never been pulled over ever, excluding the filming I did for a video I did. Mm -hmm. It was for one of the colleges in Connecticut, and they, I was acting in one of the scenes. I was acting and did had some fun doing breaking some driving rules because not every day you get to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that was probably probably not the legitimate example of being pulled over. Okay. But I think one of the best things in general from what I've heard and what I've seen from the, that experience, remain calm the best you can. And if you need to address any sensory needs, just ask if you're able to turn, I don't know, just the audio side off, at least realistically, because, well, police may need sirens, especially in nighttime, because, well, it won't do anyone good if someone accidentally knocks the police car away, if mm. it's like nighttime. Mm. Just remaining calm. Um, just know that there's got to be some reason. And selectively ask if you're able to address the sensory needs. Right. So disclosing the autism. Yeah. My employer says it as kind of like selective disclosing. You don't have to. 
Okay. Because disclosing itself is a personal decision to make. I see. Right. Well, and I can see because at times it could be handy. Other times it might be, it could go either way. Again, highly dependent on whatever situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you mentioned earlier that your dad kind of had a hard time when you were getting your license. So what kinds of tips can you give parents who are navigating the driving journey with their autistic teens? Very good one. One of the best I've heard and having speak to several and haven't spoken to again on um, kind of like good clients and like other uh, new drivers and especially parents, parents being very common in those sort of uh, outreaches. I feel like some of the best things and also from my own experience as well, best things is to know your new driver because because you, the parent, know know them far better than anyone else. You know their sensory reasons, so it allows you to plan ahead of what to do in case something sensory-wise comes up. Just knowing that, and if you know that maybe they may not like being yelled at at additional uh, volume, just kind of making the effort of just kind of making themselves kind of calmer. Just kind of just address the needs and kind of do it in a way that makes them comfortable, like there's still enough time to kind of push. But it's not like they're completely trying to make it uh, one-sided. I also tell them this, I did a uh, parenting uh, topic I, that I've done a couple of weeks ago. It's just take your time. If you know the person needs more time, it's all right. Driving has no magic age. I think I mentioned I was 25 when I turned to rise. And so, so yeah, so I would urge people to not stress a lot about age. Just don't stress that you don't have to get it in your teams technically for up to you. And you don't need to be stressed if you have to get it right now. If you need more time, well, you need more time. Right. From your own experience, how did you gain more confidence to be able to get your license? You were saying that there was some struggle there in the beginning. Yeah, just a lack of a little bit of lack of time. I had to be creative with my time because I was working part time. I was going to community college at the same time, so. Only had times on the weekends. Okay. Was not preferable. That's why I had to, uh, sorry, I just had to create a routine. I was able to do some weekend jobs and that actually helped out a lot. I mean, like every Saturday afternoon, I'd drive over. I'd use like a mix of local and backwards and I was able to get to where I am. And the most part was able to convince my dad to have me drive over there. A few times I have to kind of play a little bit of Uber and then buses. I guess my talent has no bus service on the weekends. Still baffles me from all this time. Yeah. <laughs> especially my especially Central Connecticut, and they go through the, the capital of the state. So missed revenue, if you ask me, on the bus company's end, but they're walls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, they're walls, but that's routine, like having like a routine and being creative, being just creative, what you could do at that time was a big help because again, I could could not do a lot on the weekdays. So more practice, more opportunities to practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. All right, Andrea, I'd like to close with one last question. What advice would you give to autistic people who are maybe a bit hesitant to get behind the wheel? I'm really good one. Again, you have to pace yourself. And since you're kind of concerned enough, just kind of research everything. You could also look at my program as well. And I have a lot of I have a lot of resources on there outside of the webinar series. When you go on the homepage, there's a 
free to download ebook that's kind of made from all the last couple of years of me kind of looking at this uh, topic. Really wonderful resource guide that has like a lot of cool visuals and it kind of goes over a lot of the same topics that were discussed here. Even policing, I think it was like, like a page or two. Like it covers a lot of like summary driving topics. And again, it's a free download. You go on the homepage and it's the first thing you see. And it was also all the blog pages that you bought out. And I have a lot more come up in plan. So uh, be excited for that. And the series, if you do decide to buy the, one of the, the series, there's going to be a spring session that's coming out. It's not a one-time thing. It'd be very short-sighted if it was a one-time <laughs> thing. <laughs> and also not business efficient. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> one-time only, like, how would a business survive like that? Right. <laughs> but it's going in the spring. I'm hoping beginning April, some stuff I need to finalize. And because, well, it's half of February. It kind of still still time to make sure everything's put out and just kind of just market push that. So there's a lot more content coming up and I have so many other ideas. So I'm very excited. And I'm hoping to get a lot of good feedback with the first session, the first the winter session. And I got some cool I'm actually looking at one of the sticky notes right now of changes to make on some of the slides. So it's probably gonna be changing, it'll be kind of changing a bit all the time. Great. What's that website so people can reach out? www.autismdriving.com. And we also have a Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram pages. Search up Driving of Autism and you should be able to find it. And those social media sites are going to be the ones that are going to be given the most uh, recent updates. And each, each Friday I do a meme, try to find a driving meme and have some fun with that. Yeah. If I'm able to, I might be able to post movie crips. That relates to driving, but I think that might be a little of a sketch for now. So okay. <laughs> maybe in the future. Like I know some really good ones for buses. I like to try to post not just driving, but some days occasionally post some bus stuff, alternative uh, transportation. I mean, it doesn't hurt. And I did use a bus before I did start to drive. So I think I still have that in me. And I used it like almost all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's actually great. Mm -hmm. Buses are great for... Reducing environmental waste too. There's that too. Yeah. I mean, if more people take public transportation, there are less cars on the road. And more technology can help make cars more efficient as well. Yeah. Kind of like the both sides are everything. Right. What services do you offer? Probably someone's probably going to kill me if I don't mention this right. in any of the podcasts, but we were talking about the webinar series on on and off, on and off. And it is the major, it's kind of like the cornerstone of driving with autism. We mentioned that policing, uh, sensory, like dealing with sensory overload, just kind of addressing sensory input are definitely topics. It's an eight-part series, and the first one goes over the motivation, why someone wants to drive, while it also goes over transportation basics, kind of goes into what a Walmart may look like, but it kind of sets the the spotlight for all the other topics and parenting is one of those i even have a couple sections on iep stuff why not make it as fun as possible because i know with parents they wear that they wear that stuff on that badge they went through all that and, and i try to just cover only the basics because that stuff can be unbelievably dry i also included stuff of what if schools can't do well they can't do a lot so trying to make it, trying to make content really meaningful, where anyone of any sort of lifespan 
either it's the new driver themselves or like teenager or young adult, um, older adult, parent, uh, professional, like anyone can get something out of that. And there's two packages. One that comes from the main series is some um, handouts, mostly state information about like their uh, someone's uh, DMV. And then the second package, a little bit more, costs a little bit more, but you get a lot more umph to it. Additional more resources, and you get to schedule a 60-minute consultation with me. All right. Great. Well, we'll put a link to your website in our show notes, so anyone who's interested can reach out to you. Mm, thank you. Uh, be sure to email everything you need over there. Okay, great. All right, Andrew, thank you for sharing your expertise with us. Again, um, thank you for having me here. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. Driving opens up many doors for autistic people, such as more job opportunities and social interaction. It's a skill that leads to an increased level of independence and self-reliance. What are your experiences with learning to drive? Let us know over in our online global autism community. Like Andrew, are you a self-advocate willing to share your story and educate others? Or are you a family member hoping to support and empower your loved one? Are you a professional seeking to hear directly from autistic voices and improve your practice? Whatever your role related to autism is, you can join our online global autism community to connect and collaborate with people all over the world. Sign up today at community.globalautismproject.org. Let's work together to transform how the world relates to autism. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at AutismKnowsNoBorders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate the show and leave a review. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.